7. Well, good morning, Celebration Church. Let's all stand up together. Let's say this. This is who we are. This is what we believe. Here at Celebration Church, let's all join together. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting Amen. You may be seated. Well, Merry, Merry Christmas to everybody. You guys doing good? Having a good weekend so far? Christmas Eve, Christmas is tomorrow, big weekend. And uh, just Merry Christmas to all of you and uh, also to everyone joining us online and our campuses in Appleton and Stevens Point joining with us. Merry Christmas. We are uh, delighted to have you worshiping with us. We're blessed to have you worshiping with us on this Christmas Eve. And uh, I do want to send you a very special greeting from our lead pastor, Mark Gunger. Uh, If you didn't hear, probably have, but his wife, Debbie, uh, she passed on and she is now in the arms of Jesus Christ here this Christmas Eve. And uh, we had a, such an amazing uh, celebration of life service for her on Thursday. And I know a lot of you were able to make it and I've, I've never been part of such an incredible service. Uh, it was really such a wonderful opportunity. Throughout the day we had the visitation and many, many, many of you were able to make it through and uh, pay your respects. And, and on behalf of Pastor Mark, And the family, thank you guys for all the love and support you've shown towards them. It's really meant everything. And then that service that night was just extremely special. We had such a good time uh, crying and laughing and uh, and just remembering the life of Debbie Gunger. So uh, let me encourage you, keep Pastor Mark in your prayer and uh, the family as well, his, his daughter and her husband and son and, and his wife and all the grandkids, keep them in your prayer. You know, the Bible says that we don't grieve like the rest of the world that doesn't have hope. Uh, we've got hope because of Jesus, but we still grieve and uh, we still mourn and we still process through it. So be praying for them during this time. And uh, he might be joining us online. So let's just give a little celebration church love to him this morning. Can we just put our hands and tell him that we love you, Pastor Mark? He is loved, and uh, we love him here at Celebration Church. So uh, we thought we would give him the morning off uh, so he could just kind of take some time. But he will be with us for our Christmas Eve services. And uh, if you're in Green Bay, our services are at 3 and 5 p.m., and it'll be a special Christmas Eve service. If you're in Stevens Point or Appleton, our services 
are at 5 p.m. And uh, it, make it part of your Christmas tradition to come on out for our Christmas Eve services. They are incredible. We come together, we sing hymns, we'll hear the Christmas story as it's presented in the Gospel of Luke, and we'll get a great message from Pastor Mark here uh, at three o'clock and five o'clock or five if you're in Appleton or Stevens Point. So come on out, make it part of your tradition, bring your family, bring your friends. We'll have a great time. Uh, and I know a lot of you have also been asking about Pastor Lathan, so I thought you'd also give you an update there. Uh, Pastor Lathan had uh, open heart surgery on Wednesday, and uh, so he's at Mayo Clinic doing all of that, and uh, this is like his second one this year, so big deal, right? And uh, last time that he had it, he was not doing very good coming out of the surgery, and it just, it was really rough. This time he is doing good coming out of the surgery. Everything was successful. So praise God, and thank you for praying for Pastor Lathan. I was FaceTiming with him last night, and uh, pretty incredible how tough that guy is. So um, all this stuff going on, and it's Christmas, right? That's not the way Christmas is supposed to be. And yet, that's exactly what the Christmas story was like. Uh, the world was in a pretty bad place. In fact, it was prophesied 700 years earlier in Isaiah, and we'll look at that in a moment. But it was prophesied that the world would be in a dark place and that Jesus would come to bring light. And that's what I want to talk a little bit about this morning. I love Christmas. I, I, I love this time of year. You know, I love that my wife is really good at making it special for our family and for our kids. She puts together all these great traditions, and uh, this year's been a little different with all the things going on, and there's things we didn't realize were traditions that my daughter has been letting us know are traditions. <laughs> and we're finding out that we got all kinds of traditions, but you know, Christmas, for our family, it all starts Thanksgiving weekend, and uh, we turn on the Christmas music. And, on, uh, and then that weekend, my daughter, for the past few years, she's been in the Nutcracker performance, so we go to those performances. I think that I went to about eight Christmas productions this year with my kids in it. Too much. I'll just let you know that. But I'm, I'm building up stamina year after year of how many Christmas productions I can handle, and I'm getting pretty good at it, actually. Uh, but we do the Christmas productions, and then, uh, you know, the Christmas music is on, and some of the Christmas music is great, but there is some terrible Christmas music. Can I get an amen from somebody? There's some bad Christmas music, especially if you're listening to the radio. And it seems like it's on the same, like, rhythm every day. So, like, when I get in the car, I hear that same awful Christmas song. But some of them are great. Uh, my son Jude, he's four years old. He's not much taller than this flower right here. He's four years old, and his favorite Christmas song, and he'll say, turn it up when it comes on, is, uh, this Christmas I gave you my heart the very next day. Man, you haven't heard anything until you heard a four-year-old singing that song. He loves that song. But we got our Christmas traditions uh, on, on Friday after Thanksgiving, our family will go uh, cut down our Christmas tree. And we've been doing that ever since we've moved to Green Bay. We go cut down our Christmas tree. We go to this really cool place, and they've got uh, horses and tractors that bring you out. And uh, sometimes it's pretty cool. The snow will be coming down, and it's just kind of a neat thing. And, 
and you go cut down your Christmas tree and they've got this cool uh, shop where they sell Christmas ornaments and things like that and they've got uh, a place where you can get free hot chocolate and they've got the best Santa Claus in all the world to go take your picture with and it's a pretty cool thing so we, we always go out there and do that and uh, I, I kind of, I, I channel my inner Clark Griswold in that moment. If you remember that movie, uh, I, I, there's something in me that just loves torturing my children, going around in the cold looking for the perfect Christmas tree. We go around for hours, and, and I actually, I can't stand being cold. I really do not like being cold, but for some reason on that day, I can't even tell how cold it is. I'm just so excited to go cut down our Christmas tree. And my daughter this year for, I mean, like for the whole year, has been looking at puppies. She wants a puppy and like a sucker for his daughter because I only got one. She's got a puppy, right? So we got her a puppy for Christmas and check it out. So uh, she knows exactly what she wants. She wants it to be a uh, multi-poo. She knows she wants it to be small. There's a picture of her getting the puppy. Act. There it is. Look at that. Aww. You can put it down. So my daughter got a puppy for Christmas. And uh, so we, I hit him out all week long up here at the church. And then, uh, and then the day after Thanksgiving, we presented the puppy and it was the big reveal and it was pretty cool. So we love, love Christmas in the Gustafson house. Love Christmas movies. Uh, my, my wife, when Thanksgiving comes, she's got the TV dialed into the Hallmark channel. Ladies, these are not good Christmas movies. Now, now, there are good Christmas movies out there. The top of my list, I think of like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger should be in it, like Jingle All the Way. And, uh, you know, I think of things like, you know, The Christmas Story and Home Alone. I even throw in Lethal Weapon, Die Hard, Die Hard 2. Those are Christmas movies. I'll stretch it and I'll throw in Commando just because I like Arnold that much. Planes, trains, and automobiles, it's not Christmas, but I'll throw that one in there. These are Christmas movies, ladies, not the Hallmark Channel. But what all Christmas, great Christmas movies, what all great Christmas stories have in common, whether it's Home Alone or the Hallmark Channel, is that there's a reality that's broken. There's a reality that's dark, and things aren't as they should be. And the story is about things coming back together. And that was the state of the world when Jesus was born. It's the Christmas story. And before we would ever read the account of Jesus' birth, as recorded in the Gospels, you see it in Matthew, you see it in Luke, before we would ever read those stories, we would hear about it prophesied by the prophet Isaiah 700 years earlier. And here's a little section of scripture that shares some of what we would experience with Jesus. Isaiah chapter nine and verse two, it says this. The people who walk around in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. So 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah is calling out saying, hey, for those of you that walk in a time of darkness, there's a light. There's a great light that's coming. It's going to change everything. That Christmas is about the light of God shining into 
a dark world, shining into lives that are broken, lives that are dark where things aren't as they should be. You know, maybe that describes your life right now. Maybe right now you're going through a hard time. And you know, if things are going really good, not to be a prophet of doom and gloom, but there are going to be days that are hard. Not all days are good. It's called life. There's good moments and there are hard moments. And what Isaiah is saying is that there are people walking in darkness and there's a light coming that's going to change everything. Taking a look at that verse in a slightly different translation, look at it again. It says this. It says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. But, you know, maybe you're walking through, you can resonate with those words, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. What he's saying is that Jesus is about to break into the world and a light is going to shine. So this morning, I want to talk about how we can get intentional about that light shining in our lives and letting that light shine out to others. You know, at the service that we had for Debbie Gunger, Bishop Gary Rivas, he gave a great message. Uh, if, if you didn't have a chance to be at the service, it is on Facebook. You can go to Pastor Mark's page and you can watch it there. And you really should watch and you should watch that message. It was powerful. But he read the story about a storm out of Mark chapter 4 where Jesus and his disciples get on a boat and they're going from this side to the other side. We read it in Mark chapter 4. It says, that day when evening came, he said to Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus, he was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? This is not good. The squall broke. The boat is flooding. Things are not good. And he got up and he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and they asked each other, who, who is this guy? That even the wind and the waves, they obey him. Just like Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. You and I are also on a journey going from here to there. And there are times when you're on that journey to the other side where the sun is shining, there's a cool breeze against your face, the water is like glass and everything is great. But there are days that aren't like that. And we love the sun shining days. We don't like the dark days where the storm rolls in, but there are days like the middle of winter in Wisconsin where a blizzard can hit and you can't even see your hand in front of your face. There are days in our lives like that. Sometimes those days can be so tough that it feels like it knocks you down to the floor and takes the air out of your lungs. And as sure as you can be that there will be days like that, there will be days where the clouds, they clear and the sun begins to break and it's called life. So Bishop 
Gary Riva shared this thought with us on Thursday, and then he, he asked this question. He said, so what is it then, as we journey through this life, that makes the difference? What makes it this, this journey from here to the other side over here, what makes that journey worthwhile? What makes it even seem possible to take that journey? And the answer he gave was, he said, the thing that makes the difference in this journey of our life is who is in the boat with us. Amen? I've experienced this in my life. Uh, a few years ago, uh, you might know the story. M my wife, she was diagnosed with cancer a few years ago. And when you go through something like that, uh, and some of you have, there, there's days where it's going pretty good. Uh, but there, there's days that it feels like a blizzard, man, where it's so, so dark you can't even see. There's times that are really hard, and then there's times that are okay. So we went through all of those things during all of her chemo treatments, all the surgeries and doctor's appointments and time away from the kids and all those different things that come at you with something like that. And so my wife goes through all of the, the chemotherapy, and uh, we get to the end of it, <clears throat> and she starts actually feeling pretty good. And, uh, and it's, now it's springtime. And so my wife, she's always been a runner, so she got out and she, she starts running again and she's feeling pretty good and we're going through the summer and things are going well. So we decide, let's throw a party and let's celebrate that my wife is feeling good and cancer's gone and all that sort of thing. So we prep for a big party and I, I love to cook and I love to throw parties. And so I've got the tent up and I've got the tables out. <clears throat> I, I bought the beef tenderloins. I've got everything set up and we're we're getting ready to go, and my wife wakes up that morning, and she said, you know, something's not right. I'm just not feeling well. And uh, now I'm a man, and so a headache is reason enough for me to not get out of bed for a few days. Right, guys? <laughs> Women, on the other hand, and they're tough, and, and my wife is tough. And so she says something's wrong, and she doesn't feel well. She doesn't feel well. And, and she said that that day, and, and so I said, you know what? We, we can cancel the party. Like, you know, you got a cold or something like that, we can cancel the party. She said, no, let's just push through and let's do it. Well, as the day went on, uh, she, she couldn't even concentrate, and she doesn't remember most of the party, and she was really not feeling well. And so that night, I call up her uncle, who's a doctor. He's a good guy to have in your boat, by the way. And, and so, so I call him up, and I describe the symptoms to him, and he said, see if she can touch her chin to her chest. I've never heard of that before. I'm like, Okay kind of a weird, weird question, but I said, Dana, can you touch her chin to your chest? And she couldn't do it. And he said, oh boy, she's got meningitis. Take her to the emergency room. So I take her to the emergency room and they go through all the tests. Well, her body was pretty weak from all the chemo. And uh, so she wasn't really able to fight it off. And this turned into a crazy meningitis like they hadn't seen before. I mean, it's covering her spine, or it's all over her brain. Things are swelling, it's getting out of control. And it's like that storm, that blizzard is building and I can't see. We spend a whole week in the hospital here in Green Bay and they release us and say, there's really not much more we can do. And then, and then we get in the car the next day, they said, if the symptoms do this, you gotta bring her back in. So take her home for one day and the symptoms do what they said they would do. So I put her in the car and I drive her all the way to Mayo Clinic and we spend the night there and, and then they, they release us the next day and said, you know, there's not a whole lot more we can do. Uh, why don't you just spend the night here and then if the symptoms do this, bring her back in. So we do that and the symptoms do what they said it was going to do, but 
Uh, that next day was my son Charlie's birthday, and so we decided let's go drive back to Green Bay and let's say happy birthday to Charlie. So we get back to Green Bay and say happy birthday to Charlie, and Charlie doesn't remember, or Dana doesn't remember any of it. We had to actually get everybody out of the room because the pain and the noise was too much for her to handle. At this point, she couldn't walk. Nothing was working. I was carrying her everywhere. And, uh, and they said, if the symptoms do this, bring her back in, and they did. And I drove about 110 miles an hour from Green Bay to Rochester, Minnesota, and got her there. And by the time we got there, when the neurologist walked in the room, she, she forgot who I was. Next, she forgot who our kids were. She, of course, she's going to forget me first, right? <laughs> kids, kids are definitely more important. Um, uh, and, and then basically went into a coma. And, and then I hadn't slept for a couple days. I hadn't had food for a couple days. Uh, I, was, I was physically exhausted. I was emotionally exhausted. I was spiritually exhausted. And, and I felt like I just wanted to hit the floor. And the person I called up was Debbie Gunger. It's my single greatest memory of Debbie Gunger. As I called up a lady who's been through some things that were hard in her life before, and she picked me up off the floor on that phone call and breathed life into me, and, and, and the light began to shine into my life. She spoke wisdom into me. She spoke joy into me and built me up so that I could continue to carry on. It's important who you've got in your boat. Who's in your boat with you? Jesus came to give light to the darkness. So number one, do you have Jesus in your boat this morning? Maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to God. You need Jesus in your boat if you're going to experience the light of what Christmas is all about. And number two, you need to have others in your life, in your boat that will encourage you and give you light when you need it the most. We are to take that light and we're supposed to give it to others. That's the kind of life we're supposed to be living. So you need to get intentional about who's in your boat. Get around church. Get around people that have faith. Get around people that have some joy in their life. Life is too short to have the wrong people in your boat. And some of you guys need to be thinking this time of year, who do I need to be throwing overboard, right? Amen. Make room for some good people in your life. Some people that have some joy and will speak some life into you. And number two, and final point, the next way you can be intentional about experiencing the light of God in your life is with prayer. What would it look like if you built your life on prayer? In fact, we are calling our church into a season of prayer in the new year in January called 21 Days of Prayer, where we are going to set aside 21 days of intentional prayer and fasting as we start off the new year. And it starts on January 7th, and we are calling you guys into it at our church so practically, I just want to help you with a little strategy of prayer. Because prayer doesn't have to be something that is extremely difficult. We want to make it easy. So real quickly, two words that I want to help you out with is this. Pray first. In fact, wherever you're at, if you're online, say it with me. If you're at our campuses, if you're here in Green Bay, say it with me. Say those two words. Pray first. What would it look like? If before your feet hit the ground in the morning, before you open up Instagram or Facebook or I'm not opening Snapchat because I don't even know how to use it. 
But before you open up those things or turn on the news, what would it look like if you were to pray first and say, God, I'm inviting you into my day. Lord, be with me. Guide my steps. Give me wisdom. Protect my family. Encourage me when I need encouragement. Use me, God. If there's someone out there that's hurting, I want to be used by you to share the light of Jesus Christ with somebody. What would it look like if you were to pray first? What would it look like before you go to bed at night, before you close your eyes, you pray first? What would it look like before you have that appointment in the morning and your secretary comes up and says, hey, hey, Bill's here to meet with you. What if you were to say, okay, just, just give me one minute. You say, God, would you just be with me in this appointment today and help me make all kinds of money in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> what would it look like if you were to pray first? Before your kids run off to school, if you were to lay your hands on them and say, Lord, I just pray that you would be with my kids. Help them to be leaders and not followers today. Be with them throughout their day at school. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. What would it look like if you were to build your life on prayer? Pray first. What if in every situation we would, let's say it all out loud again, pray first. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 says this, rejoice always. You know, it's amazing to be around people that, that rejoice always. I, uh, I've been trying to practice this more in my life. The other day, I was driving in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I was visiting my mom, and I set my son's iPad on top of the trunk. And, and, I, and, he's, and, I, and we went to dinner. So we take off. We drove about 10 miles, and I'm driving speeds upwards of, I don't know, like 50 miles an hour. My, my grandparents live by the hills, and so my, my kids always love it because we go up and down the hills. So we're going up down hills. We're driving fast and uh, going around corners. We drive about 10 miles to where we're going to go eat dinner, and I get out of the car and close the door, and I get out, and the, the iPad is sitting right on the trunk where I left it. <laughs> Just sitting there. It's not broken. It's still working. And... and my, my, my instinct was to be like, oh my goodness, can you see that? The iPad is right there. But what I'm trying to practice in my life is to say, praise God. The iPad is still here and it's not lost or broken, but it is found. The iPad is here, praise God. And you know what? We need to be praising God and rejoicing always and connecting God to our life. Next verse, it says, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So how do you pray continually? Connect God to your life. It doesn't mean you just stop and your life is just praying. No, bring the everyday things of life into prayer. Bring the everyday things of life into rejoicing and giving thanks for what God has done. Prayer should not be something where we act first and get into all kinds of trouble and then we ask God to bail us out in prayer. Prayer should be something that we act upon first and get God connected into our life. It should be our first response, not our last resort. Second Chronicles chapter 7 says this, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people. If my people, it's almost like God is teasing you, saying, if my people who are called by my name will pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I want you to know that you have a part to play. 
You have a role in what's happening in our world, what's going on in our society, in your life, in your family, with your kids. You've got a role to play and we need to pray. God says, if. He's challenging you, saying, if you will pray, then I will respond. So we're gonna move into this season of prayer. It's gonna begin in January. On Wednesday, January 3rd, for our Bible study, we're gonna walk through what this season of prayer is gonna look like. We would encourage you to join us on Wednesday, January 3rd to hear more. And we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray for our church. We're gonna pray for our pastor, Mark Gunger. We're gonna pray for our leaders in our, in our cities and our states and our nation. We're gonna pray for our pastors, our cities, our missions. We're gonna pray for laugh your way to a better marriage. We're gonna pray for our children and our youth. We're gonna pray for our families and our marriages and we are going to pray for you. So here's what you can do. There's prayer request cards on the bulletins that you receive every Sunday when you walk in these doors. There's things going on in your life that we want to pray for on those days. Take some time to fill one of those out or email us at the church. Let us know what's going on because we're going to be praying over all of those prayer requests when we gather together. We are going to pray. In closing, I'll read one more verse from the Christmas story as it was told 700 years before Jesus was born by the prophet Isaiah. Chapter 9, verse 4. It says, For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of the oppressor. Jesus came so that you could have the burdens lifted off your shoulders. And if you feel that weight on your shoulders, man, I've been feeling that weight all week. Like, I just need a massage, right? That weight on your shoulders. I mean, where's Dana? I need a massage. It doesn't work if I call out for Dana to give me a massage. <laughs> Jesus came to take away the weight. This verse is a reference to Gideon. And without reading the story, just tell you, Gideon's a story in the Bible where he's got to fight the Midianites. And if you're going to go fight these big, bad Midianites, you need an army. And you need an army to come, and you need to beat them with a big army. And what God starts doing is he starts whittling down his army. And it's getting smaller, and it's getting smaller. And eventually this army gets down to 300 people, and the odds are totally stacked against Gideon and his army when they're going out to fight against the Midianites. And it's like God was showing you that if you're going to win the battle, if you do it with a big army, you would say, yeah, God was with us, but I got a big army. We could have done it without him. But he got it down to the point where you couldn't do it without him. If you're going to experience the light of who Jesus is and who Christmas is today, your army is going to keep getting whittled down to nothing until you finally surrender your life to Jesus. So this morning, as our campus pastors get ready to come up, they're going to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Have you put your trust in him have you put Jesus inside your boat this morning? Let's pray. Lord, we just come to you right now. And uh, God, we just thank you for Christmas. God, we thank you for the light of Jesus that broke into this world as it was prophesied by Isaiah 700 years earlier. Jesus, you came and you broke into this world that if we would put our faith, if we put our trust in you, we could experience the light of God in our lives, that it would be defeated. And God, I ask right now that you would just move in this place, wherever people are, that the light would just break in. 
And that this Christmas, we would set out to intentionally seek the light and to share that light with others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.